I'm Stephen. And I'm Kevin. And in today's episode of the Stephen and Kevin Show, we're going to talk about moving from cold prospecting to warm prospecting. We'll talk about how to maximize seminar attendees through LinkedIn groups. And how should you explain robo-advisors to your clients? Welcome back, everybody. Here we are, episode number 30 of the Stephen and Kevin Show. We've got three good topics today coming from our audience, you. And if you want to ask a question, please do. Hashtag Ask Stephen and Kevin uh, via Twitter, via Instagram, anywhere you want to send it, uh, we'll answer your questions. Yeah, yeah. We and the ones today came through email. And before we get started, though, we do have a webinar series coming up on elite financial teams. So if you are on a team, and it doesn't matter if it's, if it's you and a shared assistant, um, or if it's a huge wealth management team, you should really take a look at this. You can go to oxley.com slash webinars, take a look at all the upcoming uh, webinars, the curriculum that we've laid out uh, for the next six months. So and all- yeah, exactly. If you don't catch the, that uh, that uh, specific webinar series, let's say you're listening to this three or four months from now, yeah. perfectly fine. We're running series like that all year long. We've got exactly. one coming up on intimate client events. Got another one on service is the new sales Oh, that's such a catchy title, isn't Nobody it? Nobody steal that. Yeah, All services, right. the new sales. Uh, CPA alliances, lots of good stuff coming up. Yeah. Make sure you check out oxy.com slash webinars. But more importantly today, Kevin, we've got some questions coming live from the audience here. Mm-hmm. Question number one comes from Scott Dugan. He says, how does an advisor shift from radio show advertising and public workshops, uh, parentheses cold prospecting, to more COI and intimate group events relationship marketing? Good question, Scott. Thank you. Uh, this reminds me of um, actually one of my first coaching clients ever um, up in New Jersey, and he had built his business through seminars. So he had done a lot of seminars, and that's how he built his business, a lot of through, through mass seminars. So it was a lot of cold prospecting. The relationship that he had with his clients was mostly business. Mm-hmm. So for him to all of a sudden be going for introductions through clients and you know, trying to socialize with them and stuff, it it was kind of a stretch, and truly, it was really out of comfort zone for him. I mean, it was actually more comfort in, in comfort zone for him to pick up the phone and start dialing mm-hmm. than it was to take a client to lunch. Uh, and I remember this. I remember the first time we were taking a look at his top twenty five clients, and I said, "Oh, just let's do a social lunch." And he said, "What am I going to talk about?" <laughs> right, and it was, he was very nervous about it. So what we did to kind of ease into that is we started with little surprise and delight gifts, small thoughtful gifts, hmm. um, extending conversations during client review meetings, uncovering information about them, start surprising and delighting, uh, and then you can start easing into getting a little bit more social, doing a social lunch. Then you can start getting into some of the you know deeper you know um, introductions or inviting them to intimate events and things like that. I think that's a great point, Kevin, because you're making the case not only for making the the, the transition, which we think most everybody should, Mm -hmm. going from colder to warmer type uh, relationship marketing type activities, but how you do it's important. If you've been the cold person for all this time, we're not saying you shouldn't shift gears, but you should shift gears wisely. So, for example, we've had people do this. They'll they'll listen to a workshop from us or they'll come through one of our training programs and they'll go right out for some of the people they've had purely business relationships with for a long time. And they'll start inviting them over for lunch. And bring a guest to lunch. Bring a prospect I should meet. Yeah. Or they'll invite them to an intimate event. By the way, bring a guest. Yeah. And what does it sound like to that person on the other end of the call? I mean, you haven't taken me to lunch in 10 years, buddy. Yeah, now you want something me to come. is up. Right? I mean, it doesn't seem like relationship management. It seems more like a marketing ploy. 
right? Yeah. Just the next evolution of your marketing plan, which is not how this should feel to the client. Yeah, there was one advisor we, we worked with who um, this guy was like hardcore asking for referrals. That's what he did. He always asked, you know, every time a client came in for a meeting, it was like, hey, I need some referrals. Here's a list. Fill this out, you know. Um, and he's decided to transition to more social prospecting and he wanted to take some, some uh, clients to lunch. And he took this one kind of a little old lady client to lunch, he said, and uh, he said, it was just social. He's like, I'm just trying to get social with her. And during the lunch, the first thing she did when she sat down is, just wanted to tell you, Rick, you know, I don't have any referrals for you today. <laughs> <laughs> and that's, and, uh, how terrible is that, right? I mean, that's, she, she, she felt really bad. Yeah, I don't have any for you today. I that was a life-changing moment for him. <laughs> yeah, he did. He said, oh my gosh, what have I been doing, right? So, um, so anyway, he had, he, had, he had a lot of changes on the horizon there, and it was going to take some time for him to build up to it. So, Scott... It's going to take a little bit of time. It's going to be a mindset shift for you. Yeah, but also I think for, for someone like Scott, you can apply some of the things you would learned over the years with the colder tactics. We, we Frankly, we like training people who have been really good with colder tactics because you have the tendency, number one, to be fearless. You know, you're not afraid yes. to, to ask people for business, which you know is, is a good trait sometimes. You get the idea of routine and structure. Mm, that's a and, good point. And what I what I t- try to train people on is how do you apply some of that same structure from those tactics to what is more effective now? So if you've done a lot of seminars, right, apply some of that strategy to doing intimate client events that are more fun in nature. Good. Yeah. If you've done uh, a lot of cold calling, take that same kind of routine and structure, but apply it to calling into your clients with a more personal phone call. Yeah, more personal right? phone calls, sourcing names. Those Which might not be two hundred yeah. dials a day. It might be. <laughs> you go through your entire client list every day. <laughs> it um, might be, uh, you know, a handful of calls a day to some of your better clients to check in on this or that or to, as Kevin said, send a small gift. Yeah. Um, but, you know, don't for people in Scott's camp where you've done things one way for a long time and you're fearful of jumping into other categories of activities, you know, for fear of clients thinking, well, why hadn't you been doing this before? Right. Or what's this new approach? Don't worry about all that. Just jump into it. Right? Yeah, get into it and, and, and maybe ease your way into it a little bit. Yeah, That's absolutely. What we're saying. So, so, next one. Moving on. Uh, this question's from at Andrew West, WWM. He says, I'm on a team of four advisors. One advisor focuses primarily on clients who are women through a luncheon group that meets bi monthly. I'm trying to help her engage more women through social media. How can you use a LinkedIn group to gather luncheon attendees? So Andrew is a go-getter on his team, kind of a younger advisor. He's part of a a larger wealth management team. I got a little bit of background on him. Um, And he's kind of waving that social media flag and saying, hey, guys, we should be doing this more, Uh, which is great. And so now he's he's saying, hey, and give me some ideas to go back to them and and help with attendance for these types of of events. Uh, I I think – LinkedIn groups, I think it's it's a good place to start, but I don't think that's the end-all be-all. I mean, creating a group around the regular women's luncheon is nice and a good way to collect people, but I think you could also be going for LinkedIn introductions through people who come, right? Hey, next time, why don't you bring so-and-so? Uh, I think that there's um, an opportunity to use LinkedIn's publishing platform and create some content there that's around topics that you're going to cover, ultimately driving people to a call to action to sign up for the next uh, event. I think there's there's other ways that you can do this beyond just the LinkedIn group. Yeah, the first thing that came to mind for me when I read that is that LinkedIn's not even the platform to use for it, hmm. frankly. Really? Yeah. I, I just, I don't know. It, it struck me as if I were in their shoes, I don't know how much I would respond to some of the thought leadership posts or hmm. to... Um, you know, to having been invited via LinkedIn. I was thinking Facebook. Yeah. You know, we, we've talked a lot about this lately, Kevin, with people having success in not only filling up their events via Facebook, but also 
getting more word of mouth, getting some buzz started. Uh, okay, you I know? know where you're going with this. Because, yeah. I, I, you know, we, yeah. we've seen events recently uh, with people who said, I'm going to do the invitation process via Facebook. Yes. And the benefit of doing that is that your network is notified when you accept an invitation like that. Right. Right. All that stuff is public. So if you think about it in two phases with Facebook usage, and I, I don't know enough about uh, your firm, Andrew, to know what's within compliance and not, but most people are able to have a personal Facebook page. Mm-hmm. You're able to befriend clients with whom you, you have a, a decent relationship with, and you're using Facebook on a couple of fronts. Number one, to invite people. And you're allowing them to invite others if they want, mm-hmm. which is great. And secondarily, you're taking pictures of all the events and tagging people who are there. Mm-hmm. And this okay. is where you're able yep. to stimulate a ton of buzz. So after the event, people are looking at the pictures. You've tagged everybody and their, their sister in this case. And think about how many other people in the community are seeing that in Facebook as opposed to in LinkedIn. Yeah, I like it. I mean, I, I mean, I, I'm a, you know, I agree with the Facebook stuff, but I also think the LinkedIn you can do it too. Um, but, but going with Facebook, why don't, why not running some ads? I mean, if you really wanted to, we were talking about how the power of Facebook ads, and you develop an ad set because you that's around women mm-hmm. who are 40 to 65 years old who live in your area, who are corporate executives who have income of 150 thousand plus, and who have a behavior of a full service investor. I mean, you could start running some. Whoa, mind blown, right? Um, you could you could do that too. There's so yeah. many ways to to reach people. I, I think you have to do a little little bit of all of it. Um, and friends of friends, uh, you know, if you have friends yeah. of people who like your page, is a great way to target some of those advertisements. Yeah, and, and I wonder about the nature of these events too. I yeah. mean, are they just strictly educational? Is there a product pitch here? Um, is it, are they covering different topics on a monthly basis that are intriguing and intriguing enough for them to want to bring people? Right. Yeah, like I could set up a Facebook event for doing yard work at Stephen's house this weekend, but it's not a very compelling case. No, and I can I, advertise, I'm not going. <laughs> I can advertise. <laughs> I can source names. Yeah. I can do whatever I want. You're not coming to this because it sounds like a you know not very fun event. So yeah, I uh, was um, I was playing around. I was looking around um, at well actually at different uh, articles and blogs um, targeted you know at women successful women and. Um, here, here's some here, like top three investment challenges for women, how to go from being a saver, uh, saving to being a saver. How much money should I have in my 401k? Um, I mean, there's so many different things that you could be putting in there, uh, creating interesting content around the topic. And, and partnering with other experts if you wanted to do yeah. one around uh, fitness or fashion Ooh, or, good. Um, you know, or any, anything, wine, gardening, you name it. Yeah, we've seen fashion and finance before. Mm-hmm. Some, good, some great events yep. that way. All right, moving cool. on. Let's, let's keep moving. Last one. This one is from at Georgian Wealth. He says, my firm has acquired a robo-advisor, which makes for a big opportunity for us in accepting smaller accounts, such as children of our affluent clients, as well as others. Um, There's more to that question. In the world of clients, do they call them robo-advisors, or is there other language we should use in referencing it? And how would you suggest we position our affiliation with the robo-advisor from a place of strength? Mm, This is really, really good question and it's it's something that a lot of people are seeing right now because the robo advisors you know once thought of and still thought of in many circles as a big threat to you a number of your firms are buying them right yeah they are buying them so they're, the they're kind of they're even transitioning from, their marketing a little bit towards advisors right yeah i mean your your language yeah. is shifting gears from oh you know they don't know what they're doing they can't replace us to actually we've incorporated some of the the best of their technology into our services yeah, check out the uh, the podcast we did with um, um, tom kimberly betterment Yep. Yeah. Um, you know, I was thinking about some of the language prior to this, Kevin. I said, uh, 
You're taking a big breath before you say this language. Like well, I, <laughs> I, I don't want to. Now I'm going to totally <sighs> underwhelm you all after that deep breath of like it's going to be some gem of language. But I, I was trying to think of how do you position this for people now that this technology is part of what you're offering. You don't want people to be thinking it's replacing me as your advisor. No. Hey, we got this great stuff. It automates much of what I do. So uh, yeah. <laughs> what are you paying me for? Yeah. No, uh, but, but you want to make sure they understand who it's, who it's appropriate for, right? Okay. And, and the way the question was framed, he's thinking about it for smaller clients he sees that maybe otherwise he might not have taken on or kids of clients who might be perfectly suited for a solution like this that's Good automated. next-gen strategy. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, um, the way I was thinking about framing is that our firm recently bought another firm solely for their technology. This group is able to automate and, you know, make cheaper some aspects of investment management. And we bought this company specifically for our clients who have pretty straightforward financial situations. You know, younger people who are building wealth, who are a long ways away from retirement, who really just need to put money away systematically. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's really cutting edge. And, and I would always close this, Kevin. I would always close this with, you know, can, can, can I show this to you? I want to show you some of the, the technology behind it. Well, that's I think neat. that'll do a good job of explaining to them what it's like, what the access point looks like. I, I would bet that it's got a great graphical interface for your clients. Mm-hmm. And, but really making sure they understand this is not how the way I want to manage your portfolio, Mr. and Mrs. Client, but I think it'd be perfect for your son or daughter. Yeah, saying people with it was simpler needs, right? I mean, simplest, simplistic financial needs right now at this point in, in, in their life. Yeah, simple um, or straightforward, something that's yeah. not condescending but says, you know, basically yeah. there's not a lot of moving parts right now to the investment management for you, Mr. 35-year-old, yeah. um, you know, other than planning for kids' education and estate planning and all that. But anyway. Yeah, um, the only article I found on this um, was um, – it was a quote from Adam Nash, who's the president of Wealthfront, saying that he feels like robo-advisor is a derogatory term. I'm sure he he does. Um, and he prefers the term automated investment services. So it's our automated investment services platform, something like that. Yeah. And I don't, I don't take issue with it like that in terms of it being derogatory as much as I don't think the consumer really knows that term nearly as well as all of us do. Yeah. So you're going to tell, you're going to say that word to a lot of people and they're going to be like, what are you talking about? Right. Right. Robo what? Um, and our research shows that less than 2% of the affluent are familiar with some of the larger robo advisor firms. So even though we talk about robo advisor constantly in our, in the industry, they don't. Yeah, absolutely right. So it's worth putting a lot of thought to. If, if your firm's acquiring one of these, leverage it. You know, take advantage cool. of it with uh, with some of your smaller clients and with prospecting. And uh, yeah, we think that's great. Hey, uh, if you haven't considered our coaching pro- program, please do. We are accepting new applicants today, Kevin. Yeah. <laughs> oh, today, get, get them in here today. You will leave with a coach today. Yeah. Except for uh, you're probably not going to see this video today. So. Yeah. Anyway, uh, check out our website, oxley.com slash coaching. You get all the information you need to know about this uh, premier coaching program in the industry. It's mm-hmm. one-to-one. It's very effective in helping you grow your business. So check it out. Yeah, check it out. Uh, hey, if you have a question, use hashtag Ask Stephen and Kevin on Twitter or on Instagram. We're happy to feature one of your questions for the show. We love questions like this. Today was so situational. Mm-hmm. Um, so hopefully, Scott, Andrew, um, at Georgian Wealth, you, you enjoyed this. You got some value out of it. And by the way, we have mugs if you want a mug. You can hear the phones ringing right now. <laughs> But, you know, right. but you know, to your point, Kevin, about these being situational, I love the situational it's stuff. Uh, you know, it's a, one of the things we like most about coaching. You know, coaching for us is it's not a lot of fun to get on there and talk at someone about here's what we think about running client events or LinkedIn. It's a whole lot more fun for all of our coaches to do things that are like, hey, I've got this client coming in. I know they have an interest in our robo platform. How should I position this to them? Yeah, that's what we love. So that's what we talk. Keep those about. questions coming uh, via hashtag Ask Stephen and Kevin. Thanks all. <laughs>